Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. Hello, you beautiful pipe full of tobacco. Will you be my valentine? Now, I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine, coming to you here a couple of days before Valentine's Day, (laughs) setting a theme for the show. Uh, This week in pipe parts, you know what? I'm going to take pipe parts and I'm going to use it on your questions and, uh, and mailbag stuff because I've got a lot to get caught up on and I feel bad. So a couple of questions, a couple of key questions in pipe parts and then the rest of the mailbag later on in the mailbag. My guest is pipe maker J.P. Urquiza. And, uh, you know, it's been a while since I've had just a a first-time pipe maker visit and just, you know, getting to know somebody brand new. So it's exciting to talk to him and you get to meet him. And then we have uh, music and uh, mailbag and rant. All that coming up on this week's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. And let's get all the usual stuff out of the way. Are you ready? You must be of legal smoking age wherever you are in order to enjoy this fine show. Do us a favor. Go over to iTunes and leave us a rating and a review. That would be absolutely wonderful. We've got a few of those to read today. And... Uh, while you're out on the interwebs, if you're on Instagram, uh, st- uh, 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 the, the Twitters or Facebook or wherever you are, uh, share the Pipes Magazine radio show with everybody. In fact, do a, a TikTok video for those of you that know what TikTok is. I don't, but uh, if you do, do a TikTok video of the Pipes Magazine radio show. We would greatly appreciate that. And remember, brand new episodes show up every Tuesday night at 8 p.m., Eastern Time in the United States, and they are available for streaming and downloading, yeah, forever after that. So, uh, yeah, you got uh, if, if you missed some, go back. The entire library's there. You can listen to them on PipesMagazine.com or all those places where you find podcasts. So there you go. All right, let's get the show rolling. So everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in, and here we go. There's nothing quite like a good book, or my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. See for yourself at corncobpipe.com. And we are back, and here we go with a uh, pipe parts mailbag. So uh, Jess writes in, uh, I have two questions that I've heard you talk about before, but I guess these would be questions I would ask for clarification or expansion of what you've already said. Question number one. Obviously, there is a lot of personal preference with this, but what is the ideal chamber or bowl shape for each category of tobacco and why? Are narrower bowls preferable for Virginias? Are wider bowls better for Latakias? What about aromatics? Also, what sort of a role might depth play uh, other than giving you a longer smoke? All right, so let's break this down. And remember, I am the leading expert on my own opinion, and you're welcome to it. And here it goes. These are my opinions uh, just based off of my experience. 
All right, so in reverse, what sort of a role might depth play other than giving you a longer smoke? Well, the problem is the deeper, the more tobacco you have in there, the more the tobacco on the bottom of the bowl is filtering the tobacco on the top of the bowl. So as you smoke down, that smoke is being filtered through or being sifted through the tobacco on the bottom. So I find that if your bowl is, you know, instead of my one and a half inch deep standard, if you start going to one and three quarter inch or two inches or three inches, you got to do a couple of things. I tamp and dump ash a couple of times in a bowl that's more than one and a half inches. And I pack it a, a lot looser at the bottom because I know that that tobacco on the top is going to filter through that. So I need less tobacco down there because it's going to get stronger as the bowl goes on. So the, the more, you know, the, the deeper the bowl, the longer the smoke, the more intense it's going to get towards the bottom of the bowl. And you run more of a chance of getting a bitter and nasty. So that's my, that's my only thing. And, you know, in my in my rule book, I'd rather have my three quarter inch wide by one and a half inch deep tobacco chamber. I'd really rather smoke two of those pipes in a row than smoke one pipe that is, say, two and a half inches deep. All right. Does that make sense? Uh, what is the ideal chamber or bowl shape for each category of tobacco and why? Well, here you go. Um Again, I like for my for my basic everyday Virginia Perique, I like that three quarter inch by one and a half inch deep. During the summertime, when I switch to smoking some straight Virginias, well, then I can go with a smaller bowl because the smaller the bowl, the less chance you get of getting uh, uh, the less chance you you know, uh, hang. <laughs> let me say that again: the smaller the bowl the less sample of the blend you get. The bigger the bowl, you get a better chance of getting an even mixture of Perique or Latakia or whatever you're smoking in there. So the more complex the mixture is, the more, um, you know, Virginia, Perique, Burley, Latakia, the more condiments added in. Well, I would want to stick with a wider bowl and maybe a pot shape because it's going to allow for you to get all of those different condiments burning at the same time. If it's more of a single origin, well, then I would say you could go with a narrower bowl. And then again, the depth of it matters the other way around. Uh, and I think that that goes for aromatics as well. The more complex the mixture is, the wider the tobacco bowl you want, uh, just so that you get that more even mix. I hope that kind of answers that. And then you're going to have to, you know, you really got to try and try around with all your personal tobaccos. Uh, and then, uh, so cellaring has become an interesting question as of late. And he goes on for his second question. Uh, I understand that you generally recommend leaving some room for air when cellaring blends. But what if you don't want them to change very much? What if you don't want the, that Latakia to mellow out as much because you like the kick? What if you want what uh, um, what if you want those aromatics to hang on to their casing a little longer? I'm sure the ideal answer is to just smoke those kinds of blends sooner than later. But since we are not living in an ideal world, 
and we may and we might have some reason to try to preserve some of our blends for a few years what would be the best practice in such cases packing the blends tighter leaving less room for air trying to purchase more plugs and crumble cakes <laughs> all right so first of all let me say with aromatics uh, overall let me uh, overall let me say that the problem that you're going to run into with packing too tight is you're going to create a high pressure situation on the tobacco and you're going to further essentially stove or deepen the cavendish process so you're going to change the virginias you're going to change the the cavendishes that are in there uh same thing with latakia and with perique although the less room you have the less the latakia and the less the perique age so I've been experimenting and, and playing around with this idea because, you know, yeah, you're right. You want some tobaccos to not age as fast, but you want others to age faster. So what is the right mixture of air? There is no set answer. There is only trial and error. Uh, last week or a couple of weeks ago when I talked about my personal blend and I had packed it too tight. Well, now after a year... Uh, you know, I can open it up and loosen it up slowly, piece by piece. But if I left it in there for too long, that tight, maybe five, ten years, I might have a stoved Virginia Perique, which is not the Virginias that I'm looking for. So it's a balance and finding that balance. So maybe you do, uh, if you're doing the same blend, maybe you do one really tight for a couple of years down the road one a little looser for sooner and then you kind of balance them and and work them all out but yeah the right amount of air i don't think there is a calculation because there's no exact calculation for how much sugars are in the tobacco uh you don't know those exact numbers and you also don't know uh exactly the quality of the leaf or in my case with the periques you know you don't know how the you don't know how long it's going to take before that Perique punch wears off. Uh, my everyday McClellan Blake needs best Acadian ribbon. It's starting to get a little on the mild side for me, but the Virginias are doing well. So there you go. Uh, one more real quick before we get to JP and Paul writes, <laughs> uh, this goes back to, and he says, yes, I can name a podcast worse than yours. All the others. Oh, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Great show. I really enjoyed the story of the little girl in the store who knew all about Mickey Mouse. Really heartwarming and makes me think that our future will be all right after all. Uh, when I hear you talk about working in the Disney store, I often think how lucky your customers are. They probably don't know at first that they are talking with someone who is such an expert in all things Disney and pipes. Uh, I sure you make a difference for all the people who benefit from your advice and knowledge. Um <laughs> In the few minutes when I actually get to talk to somebody in depth about stuff, yeah. Yeah, that's fun. But in most cases, most people just want to come in, buy their stuff, and go. Uh, he then goes on to say, uh, thank you for warning us about reamers and the havoc they can wreak on briar pipes. I learned how to use a reamer by practicing with my corn cobs. I think a corn cob tastes best when it's reamed down to the corn. After many years of reaming my cobs, I may be able to do this with a briar without destroying it. Your sandpaper advice is a great tip. For pipe parts, I'd like to hear you talk about the breath method of pipe smoking. I can't figure out what they're talking about, but after, but after many years of pipe smoking, I think I may do, be doing this already. 
Is this really a thing and worth learning? Thanks and best wishes, Paul. Paul, let me give you my best example as I take my pipe, tamp it, and get it ready for a light. Uh, I'm smoking a little bit bigger pipe, so I just dumped a little bit of ash. The breath method means that you take a lit pipe like I'm doing right now, light it, and then simply breathe in and out through your mouth like you normally would. I leave a little bit of air between my lips and so that I'm getting air, but I'm also slightly pulling on the pipe, and it's hard to do that while talking. Um, so you're not using a full draw or a full puff, per se. You are using just the natural pressure of you inhaling and exhaling to move the smoke, and that's the best way that I can explain the breath method and you really do you get if you're if you really focus on it and pace it correctly uh, you really do get a good smooth slow cool burning smoke you don't get those big intense bursts of flavor or you know big mouths full of smoke with it so hope that helps uh, more mailbag coming up. Anybody got comments or questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com or post them on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on pipesmagazine.com. And in just a moment, JP Urquiza. This is Internet Radio. A Savinelli pipe is a testament to a long legacy, fortified by well-worn hands and destined to be enjoyed for generations. For over 150 years, Savinelli has been dedicated to sourcing the world's finest briar, committed to pushing the boundaries of pipe design, and devoted to the tradition of Italian pipe making. Savinelli is more than a mark. They're a way to help you make your mark. And like you, there can only be one Savinelli. We're back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and it's it's been a while since I've had a pipe maker on the show, but I, I'm excited, JP, because I really don't I I really didn't know much about your pipes until my friend Adam said, uh, you know, you need to check out what he's doing and talk to him. So, uh, pipe maker JP Urquiza, welcome to the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you. All right, so tell everybody, first of all, your last name is a Spanish origin, which I think might be a first or second person, well, uh, third person that I can think of on the show for, with a Spanish origin name. So where are you from? I'm from Central America, um, from El Salvador. Uh, and yes, the, the last name is uh, of uh, Spanish origin. And when did when did you come to the U.S.? Uh, in early nineties. Yeah. And you it was you were just a youngster. Yes, um, I'll be uh, thirty nine this year in November. So yeah. Yeah. So you're you're in that midlife now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how did you how did you get interested in pipes? When did when did pipe smoking start for you? Um. I always, I was always curious about the um, about the way that the uh, pipe tobacco smelled since I was a kid, but I never paid that much attention to to pipes. Um, and one year, one I think it was twenty 
2012 or 2013. Um, I walked by a, by a tobacco store. And I was curious about it enough to go inside. And I bought a pipe. Just uh, for just for fun, you decided, all right, I'm going to try it and buy a pipe. Yes, I, I bought a pipe without knowing anything about uh, pipe uh, making materials or anything. Um, so it, en- it ended up being uh, a rosewood pipe. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. So how did you, did you stick with that pipe for a while? Or did you start learning about pipes and pipe smoking and find another one? Uh, as soon as I uh, got home, I, I went online and I started doing uh, research, you know, about pipes. And then I found out that Briar, you know, every everything kept pointing at Briar being the best. So I bought uh, an estate pipe from eBay. I think everybody does the same thing. Yeah. Everybody. And I restored it and, and I still have that pipe. I, I I don't have the rosewood pipe anymore. I should have kept it, but um, yeah, that was that was exactly what I did. Now, did you have any woodworking skills before that? No, um, but I, I I'm always curious about how things work, and if I see that it's not as complicated or it doesn't seem as complicated, I I give it a try. And I did. That's what got me into um, pipe making. So when did you officially start making pipes? Officially, I started in 20... I think it was 2014, about a year later, or 2015. Um, Oh, 2015, officially, because that's when I got a... um, uh, tools and everything, you know, to make, uh, to start making pipes. So, so what else do you, what do you, what do you do for, for a living since obviously pipe making wasn't your, uh, wasn't your first, wasn't your first job out of school? I've been working for a cleaning company at, uh, uh, a university mm-hmm. and that's what I've been doing for, I don't know, 20 years. So now is pipe is pipe smoking something that you do every day or is it just a a weekend thing and then or maybe while you're making pipes? It changes. Sometimes, you know, I go a week or two without without having a bowl and sometimes it's just every day, you know, I, I'll have a bowl. And I guess where where you live in Pennsylvania it depends on the weather too. Uh I do smoke in my shop, which is, you know, in the basement of my house, but, um, yeah, the weather doesn't really affect me, okay. but I do enjoy being outside, you know, and, and, and smoking outdoors. Yeah. And as we're recording this now, you probably don't want to be outdoors. No, <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, just a little bit cold. Um, so what did you do to get started? Did you uh, did you get any training from anybody or just watch videos and, and figure it out? I I didn't find a lot of information at first um, online. I just began working with whatever I could get. You know, like the first uh, real uh, 
pipe making materials, like you say, I got was uh, Hollywood. And I began making just the bowl with uh, files and, you know, um, uh, drill press. And that's basically it. That's what I had in 2013, 2014. That's, that's what I began with. So did you, uh, did you make a lot of mistakes and get all those, get all those mistakes out of the way? I, I kept, you know, drilling off center. That was mostly the, the biggest, um, mistake and I kept making it was the, the drilling. So how do you do with a drill press? I guess you've got to kind of visualize where the drill is going in the wood and, and get everything lined up perfectly. Otherwise it's a lot easier to make a mistake than with a lathe. Yes, it is. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what, that was my biggest frustration was that, the the drilling. But then, uh, in 2015, I, uh, uh, pipe maker, he decided to uh, stop making pipes, and he he made his uh, shop available. He he was selling everything, um, and I decided to uh, buy it. So that way, I didn't have to figure out what worked. <laughs> so you got all the all the tools and everything all in one shot. Yeah, a proven shop. Yes. Um, the only problem was getting that shop uh, to my house because I, the pipe maker was from uh, Georgia. Okay. So I had to fly down and then drive everything. I rented a truck and and drove everything back to PA. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I was just, I mean, I was excited about it because. Um, I knew I was going to get everything that really worked for uh, pipe making. And I've seen the results, you know, the, I mean, the, the pipe maker, um, he's, he was a good pipe maker. He's still, uh, I mean, I don't know if he's still making, I don't think he is, but um, um, he, I really like his pipes. That's what I'm trying to say. So did he give you any advice on pipe making or you just went. Um, he he did help me uh, with questions after I got the uh, the shop, you know, home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was mostly about uh, what to do with the um, with the tools, you know, and the lathe and like, different things like that. But up until 2019, I never received any real help, you know, from like hand hands on, you know. Um, training from anybody an established pipe maker or i'm looking at so on on facebook you have the you have your uh your jp urquiza pipes page and then you also have your own website which is i'll spell it for everybody it's j p u r q u i z a p i p e s dot com uh, I, yeah. I'm seeing some Danish influence. I'm seeing some American Danish style. Uh, who are some of the pipe makers that kind of influence you? Well, I love um, different, you know, styles. Although I've been stuck with the uh, more traditional, uh, I guess, uh, classical shapes. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I do like uh, a lot of uh, Jay, Jeff Grasick. Yeah. Um, Tom Eltang. Um, so it's it's like a combination of many pipe makers, you know, and 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 I try once in a while I try something more Danish in style than you know the the classic shapes. Every once in a while, JP wants to play with something. Uh, we're going to take a break right here when we come back. More with JP. Have a look in your tobacco cellar. What do you see? Think of what you smoke, what you age, what you're drawn to in a blend that keeps you wanting more. That's your taste. And whether you know it or not, You've been leading that expedition since you first picked up a pipe just by smoking what you like and liking what you smoke. But the funny thing about taste, it changes and you need a wide selection to accommodate it. We at Smoking Pipes know this and you know it too. So whether you're searching for a tried and true favorite or a singular boutique mixture, we're here to help you navigate the voyage of your evolving tastes. But you're still at the helm, smoking pipes in faithful service of the hobby. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show visiting with pipe maker J.P. Urquiza and... Yeah, so I'm I'm looking through some of your stuff and going, yeah, all right, I can I can see where you, you know, you've done the right thing and you focused on the classics, but yet you like to play with some ideas and some fun shapes. There's kind of a ukulele looking Eskimo that looked like you had fun making that one a while back. Yes. Uh, so is that just something where you say, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna try this and see what happens? Yes, it's it's a like a way of uh, getting out of the comfort zone, I guess. You know, for once in a while. Yep, and uh, and then you get to go. Um, so, what is your what's your favorite part of the pipe making process? Um, I think shaping. Um, shaping is the my favorite part of it. You know, shaping the briar more than the, um, the stem making i guess um <laughs> and then um like I, I don't i don't make a lot of smooth pipes because i like to get the best grain to be uh, to leave it a smooth pipe so finishing a smooth pipe i think it's it's fun too because you get to see how the grain starts popping and it's is one of my favorite parts, I guess, shaping and and the, the smooth finishing. Do you do the uh, the Jeff Grasick style of shape first and then drill later? Um, I, I like I mentioned in 2019, I I did visit uh, Todd Johnson. I had the uh, the opportunity to spend a week with him. And up until then, I didn't really do that style of uh, um, uh, making pipes, you know, like shaping first and then mm -hmm. drilling. Um, but 
I have done a few after my visit and 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 it's fun it is it it's totally different uh I find it more challenging i guess because I got used to um drilling first you know and then shaping but but it's a fun fun way of making pipe. Is it a little more nervous because you try to follow the grain and then you're not sure what the pipe may look like? Um, yes, that's that's one of my fears when I when I try making a, a pipe like that. Uh, although I have uh, an idea, I guess from I guess it sticks with me, you know, like trying to to decide what to make from the beginning what shape so when i'm shaping something i already have an idea of what i want to make even if i shape first yeah so it's not you're not just going at it wildly looking for grain you you've got a basic idea of where you're going yeah i mean i try to to um to orient the 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 briar you know for the best results on the grain that's the way i've done this uh from the beginning and I should, you know, I guess a uh, bit more adventurous with that, like following the grain, but it, it's hard for me to, to do that. I don't know. It's right now we're recording this on Super Bowl Sunday and uh, on your on your website, you don't have anything for sale really. So, well, I guess you do. You have a couple of pipes and yeah. So, yeah, so whatever you're yeah. doing is working because people are buying your pipes. Um, it 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 looks like it. Yeah, <laughs> I try to make different uh, shapes, you know. Uh, but I kind of know what people, at least the people that follow me on on Instagram, you know, uh, like. So I try to to make those shapes. Is uh, stem making the part of the part of the pipe making that you don't like the most? Um, I, I wouldn't say that I don't like it. I, I think it's more, I think where the, the fun part of making the pipe, I think is on the briar. Yeah. Yeah. And then you use, I've been looking through some of your pictures and you use different colored stems and you, you like to play around with the stem material too. Lately, yes, I've been I've been trying different uh, uh, colors, uh, not just the black or the or the Cumberland. Do you think the uh, the different colors? Do you think those appeal to younger pipe smokers versus older? Uh, it probably does. Um, I but I see a lot more colors being used, you know, on on, on pipes. Uh, for uh, for the stem, yeah, you did a beautiful Liverpool with a little with a little blue ebonite stem on it, and I was that just kind of stuck out. It almost looks like it was made by Tiffany and Company. <laughs> uh, priced differently than if Tiffany made it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, how many pipes a year do you think you you're able to make? Um. Since I'm only doing it part-time, you know, I try to at least make one pipe a week. But if I get the chance, um, I can make 
two or three uh, in one week. So it depends, you know, on, on on how busy and work is, you know. And besides pipe making and work, what else do you uh, what else do you do? Um, not well. I, I ride bikes. Um, I have a sport bike, but that's you know like a summer thing. So, um, uh, other than that, just pipe making. <laughs> so winter time, all your free time is pipe making, and in the summertime, you get on the bike and ride. Yes, yes. Whenever I can, yes. <laughs> so, so the trick is now, if you want a pipe, is get a hold of JP and get the pipe now because as the weather warms up, he's going to be out of the shop somewhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, is there a shape of pipe that you that you still have a problem making or you know that you're not happy with or you want to work on? Um, there's so many shapes that I would like to try, uh, but... Most of the times, what stops what stops me is um, commissions. Sometimes, you know, mm-hmm. sometimes I got uh, some commissions that I gotta work on, and you know, sometimes the buyer doesn't doesn't cooperate. You know, and <laughs> I get a flow here or a flow there, so I have to start all over again. Um, and but I would like to try uh, the fugu. Um, there's so many shapes, but I think the fool is probably going to be next. The, uh, the, the Japanese version of the blowfish. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, the, but that, that'll require kind of a different kind of block of wood, won't it? So that the grain is oriented differently. Yes. Yes. Um, I always buy, you know, like, uh, different, different grades and, and I buy uh, uh, buy it with a plateau and and cross cut, mm-hmm. so that wouldn't be a problem. It's just you know getting to <laughs> get into it. Yeah. So how does that does uh, so maybe I'll explain that to us because the different grades are going to give you different results. And if you're if you're using a sandblast, if somebody commissions a sandblast, you're not going to use the best. Uh, straight grain pipe are you or block are you well um i can you know but uh yeah i mean if if i'm planning for a smooth pipe you know i'm gonna try to use the best uh gra- uh grade you know for for that pipe yeah so then that that saves you a little bit of money because what the the blocks of briar can be anywhere between what five and forty fifty dollars each um i well, I've been paying a lot more than that lately, so. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's getting a little, I mean, prices, so I guess, on everything, you know, are going up. But, uh, yeah, it it will depend, you know, yeah. Has the, uh, uh, has the pandemic made it hard to get supplies in from Europe? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I always buy uh, from suppliers here, you know, in, mm-hmm. in the U.S. Um, but I do prefer getting them at the shows, you know, like the Chicago Pipe Show or yeah. 
um, Ohio or Vegas, you know, if I have the chance. But, you know, with the pandemic, I haven't been able to do that. Yes. I, I do prefer picking, you know, like the blocks. Yeah, so how does that work? The Briar, the, the Briar suppliers, and there might, I guess at Chicago, there might be three or four there. You Do you arrange an appointment with them and then go pick blocks out? No, uh, no not really. I just show up, you know, at their tables and see what they have. Um, Steve, he always, Steve Norris, he always has a, um, a room, you know, mm-hmm. for all his uh, material, so... I get to spend an hour or two, you know, peeking through the uh, the briar. So before you've sold any pipes, you're buying supplies for the next pipes. Uh yes, yes. Yeah, and I guess although yeah. although I I've never had a table at Chicago. I I think I've only done one show where I actually had a table. Uh, or two. Um, my first show, which was in 2015 in um, Nashville. And I've been sharing a table at the New York show, which is a small show. Yeah, and it's right down the road from you, so that's easy to get to. Yeah, yeah. Is it, have you not done a table at Chicago or the West Coast show because you don't have enough pipes? Um, I really like, and I enjoy just walking around and, 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 seeing everything, you know, that's there. So, yeah. but I did decide to, to have a table um the last year they had it at the chicago show mm-hmm. and you know then we got the pandemic so they, they got canceled as you know everybody knows so when you're walking around are you looking at other at what other pipe makers are doing and other ideas and just sharing and learning uh I guess, yes, yes. You know, I, I like talking to, uh, I have a few friends, you know, that pipe maker friends that they always have a table. So I stop by and see what they, what they're making, you know, what they're working on. And, uh, but I do enjoy more, you know, like walking around than just being at the table. But I, I, re, I mean, I should do it, you know. Are you also walking, are you walking around as a consumer and buying pipes for yourself and tobaccos for yourself? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yes, I am. <laughs> so that's the that's the other benefit of you being a of pipe making being a part time business for you is that you can also just have fun with it when you want to. Yes, yes. And and then you can spend money at pipe shows and don't have to worry about making a living at it and going home and buying food. Yeah, that's that's one that's the good part about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and you can stay out late in the smoking tent and not have to worry about what time you have to be up in the morning. Yes. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I miss that because uh, I've been going to the show since 2016. And, I mean, it's only a few years, but, but I enjoy it every year. Yeah. Yeah. I miss. Oh, yeah. Now you got me. I'm, yeah, never mind. Um, for the Chicago Pipe Show, would you would you spend like three or four days there? Uh, about that, yeah, yeah, three days. Yeah, so take an extra day or two off from work and come out and and then off well, you I go. O- I always plan my vacations, you know, around the uh, pipe show. So that uh, that's just one of the shows that I that I try to make, you know, every year. But I mean, 
I hope everything gets back to normal, you know, soon, and we can we can enjoy the shows again. What is the best way for people to get a hold of you and find out about having a pipe made? Um, I I post everything on um, Instagram um, and Facebook. And that's how people get in touch with me mostly. But I do have a, a an email address, you know, it's uh, JP with Pisa Pipes at gmail.com. Um, I do have my website too, um, which is uh, JP or Um But you can find me on social media, you know. And JP, we will wrap this up with the fast five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Ready. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, shape, I would say the Rhodesian. Say that one more time. Uh, Rhodesian. Oh, okay. And what is your favorite tobacco? Dark Twist Flake by uh, McBaron. That's some pretty strong stuff. Yes. <laughs> now, did you start off str- with strong tobaccos? No. <laughs> no. So you so you kind of worked your way into a dark twist. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Uh, what is your favorite drink? My favorite drink, uh, I would say uh, beer. <laughs> yes. Any particular type of beer? I've been getting into IPAs uh, for a few years now, but just any beer, I guess. Being in Pennsylvania, you're not a Yingling fan. <laughs> uh, no, I will drink anything. <laughs> when it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? Music. And then finally, do you have a favorite pipe smoking related memory? I, I would say, like, my favorite memories is being with friends, you know, at the show. That's 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 going to, to be my answer for that, yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. We go to the show to look at pipes, and we end up, the thing we remember the most is the people that we talk to. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I was almost going to ask you if Todd Johnson yelled at you about anything that you did in pipe making, but I'm sure he did, and that's a secret, so I won't ask you about that. <laughs> no, he's he was very nice. Yeah. And yeah, pretty darn knowledgeable when it comes to a teacher. Yeah, yeah, I I was fortunate, you know, that I could make it after uh 4 4 years that when I first met him, you know, he invited me to the shop and and I just couldn't make it for all those years. Yeah. Well, JP, thank you very much for coming on the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Thank you. We'll be back in just a minute. Being at the forefront of craft tobacco production for over 20 years, we've been involved in some rather interesting projects at Cornell and Deal. From the Cellar Series to the Small Batch Project, we're extremely proud of how far we've come. So moving forward, we wanted to take it back to basics, and that's what the Burley Flake Series is all about. Burley is an underrated varietal, but there is a ton of nuance there. 
using various condimental tobaccos to accentuate different aspects of the air-cured leaf. Each blend in this series is intended to showcase different individual subtleties inherent to Burley. It's a simple concept, one that I think really speaks to the essence of what we do at C&D, as a crew of folks who just love tobacco. It's also really good. Cornell & Deal's Burley Flakes series, wherever fine tobaccos are sold. This is Internet Radio. And we are back. Uh, JP's pipes start out right now at about $219 for a sandblast. That's handmade stem and everything. Uh, so do check them out. You know, I'm going to keep an eye on them, especially before his prices go up. All right, for music, we go to my friend Dan Locklear, whose Rinalda Reflections was recently recorded and released on an album called Three Perspectives by the Pangea Chamber Players. Uh, these, uh, uh, these pieces of Dan's are all based off of uh, pieces of art from the Rinalda House Museum of American Art, and this one is called Dances Before the Barn.
to Spotify, you can uh, just search Dan Locklear, L-O-C-K-L-A-I-R, and you'll find it in the uh, newest releases there. So do check that out. And I'm sure you can go online and buy the CD as well. Three little words. You've got mail. And in the mailbag, remember the email address is Brian, B-R-I-A-N, at PipesMagazine.com or post it on the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Pipes Magazine. Or you can do the best thing like these two fellows did and go on to iTunes and leave a rating and a review. And uh, Old Dave in Tennessee says, great program. Just found this podcast in October 2020. Presently going through the old program, searching for those that I think will be of interest to me. Would love for you to have another guest appearance by Tom Eltang and his younger protege, who I think is trying to revive the sewer pipe name. Uh, this, is a mag- this is a magnificent work done in a very professional but down-to-earth manner. Finding this show is one of the few high points of 2020. Keep up the great work, Brian. With no print magazines anymore, you are a lifeline to those of us who crave all things pipes. Hope to meet you one day at a pipe show. Yeah, I hope to be at a pipe show, too. Uh, and hopefully you enjoyed last week with, uh, with Tom Eltang on. And I'll keep them coming. I, I'll do my best. Thank you very much, old Dave. Uh, bad Calvinist says the very best. So Bad Calvinist is uh, giving a five-star rating to eh, probably not the best Jewish person on the war, in the planet. But anyway, he writes, I can't wait for each new edition to come out. Brian has an off-center sense of humor and is a great interviewer. His guests range from the movers and shakers of the pipe-smoking community to newbies. I always learn something new each week. You will not regret the hours you spend listening to this great podcast. Thank you. Yeah. And the hours spent uh, listening to it again because you can't remember what that goofy guy said. Uh, That could be me. Sorry. Uh, All right. Back to the mailbag. Uh, Going back to uh, last week's show... Uh, Dino writes, great conversation, great tune. As for your rant, thank you, Master Yoda. Dino, you are welcome. And uh, Casey Ghost says, I guess the part where you told us about mixing tobaccos was interesting. I know a few guys who seem to swear swear by it, but for me, it would be prescription for a disaster. Nice interview with Tom Eltang. He seems to specialize in two types of pipes, those of transcendent beauty and those of ho-hum expedience. Uh, music was kind of weird, but not bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, lo- and let me just say, the mixing of tobaccos, the only reason I was doing that is out of necessity to try to create a blend that you know, I could smoke for years to come. All right. Uh, older male. Uh, Chris wrote me a while back. Uh, I know you've discussed this in length, and if you could answer this before the next podcast, I'd greatly appreciate it. <laughs> As I'm currently eyeing some eBay listings. Sorry, Chris, I screwed the pooch on that one. Uh, what years are the best smoking Dunhills? What years are decent smoking Dunhills? What years to stay away from? I ask you because you tell the truth. Well, here is the truth. The years that I would stay away from are 1980, maybe 79 to 1999. Stay away from those. Uh, the newer stuff, hit and miss in my in my book from people that I know. Uh, what are the best smoking Dunhills? Well, you know, that's all perspective, but... I will say that if you're in the 1960s to early 1970s, you're in a good section of Dunhill runs without paying the price for a super collectible. 
uh, go to 1947 to 1959, you're in that sweet spot post-World War II. Uh some of them are really expensive because you're at the end of the patent era. Some of them aren't so much. Uh, so that's where you're at. And then pre-World War II, you're in the collectible range, and now you're talking about um, you know selling a kidney or something like that. Uh, going on, Bruno says, uh, I have a little question for you, if you don't mind. What is the best approach to stock some McBaron HH Flake 50-gram tins or 100-gram tins? I'm asking for my own seller. I don't know the air volume ratio versus the weight of the flakes. So here we go with air and all that. Uh, I'm aware that opening the tin, that opening one tin from time to time instead of a bigger one could be better, but I want to approach this with different perspectives. Uh, by the way, thanks for your second interview with John Semmel. Very much appreciated. Continue your great work. All right, Bruno, here's what I would do. If I'm aging HH Virginia, uh, the HH Virginia Flake, I'm going to leave it in the tins. I'm going to buy it probably in the 50-gram tin. That way I can open up a smaller amount at a time. If I'm concerned about the tins leaking or popping up, I'm going to wrap them in a, uh, in a plastic wrap, better known as saran wrap. Uh, I'm just going to, and I'm going to twist them down as tight as possible. And just that extra outer layer, maybe two folds over of the plastic wrap will help keep the lid on and it'll help keep the air out. That's all I'm going to do with them. Uh, I'm not going to worry about them for that, you know, for five to 10 years. Like I am aging some of my tobaccos. I may go in there and check on them once in a while and look at them, but I'm really not going to worry about them. Yeah, uh, you know, you want some air leaking out because you want some of it maturing uh, and you want some of it moving on. All right. There you go. Uh, I wouldn't open the tins and start jarring them. But once I did open them, I think I might put them into a jar. All right. And then uh, finally, uh, Jim writes. Uh, this was as of last week. Uh, great show as usual, but as a lawyer and pipe smoker, I feel the need to defend my profession after the comment from a listener in the mailbag section about lawyers. Yeah, there are bad lawyers like any other profession, and as noted, often lawyers are telling people what they can't do. For example, you can't deny this person a lease because of the color of their skin, you can't imprison someone unjustly, you can't injure another and get away with it. Uh, Shakespeare's quote actually gets taken out of context. Shakespeare's exact line is, The first thing we do, let's kill all the lawyers, was stated by Dick the Butcher in Henry VI, Part 2, Act 4, Scene 2, Line 33. Wow. Uh, Dick the Butcher was a follower of the rebel Jack Cade, who thought that if he disturbed law and order, he could become king. Shakespeare meant as a compliment to attorneys and judges who instill justice in our society. On the other hand, no one loves a lawyer joke more than, more than a lawyer. <laughs> Keep up the good work, Jim. Well, Jim, as you know, my aunt being a uh, former lawyer and uh, retired judge, uh, she did say to me at one point one of the benefits of being a judge was that when, a, when you told a lawyer to stop talking, they actually did it. Um, yeah. And then the other joke is, you know, how can you tell if a lawyer's lying while well, their lips are moving? Uh, what do you call a thousand lawyers at the bottom of an ocean? A uh, good start. 
yeah, anyway. <laughs> yes, I will say there are really good lawyers, there are really good pipe podcasters, and then there's the others that aren't. Um, they're not good people. Um, I know some really good lawyers. So anyway, there you go. Again, comments, questions, email me, brian at pipesmagazine.com. I believe I am completely caught up on stuff unless it's an ask the pipe maker question. Keep sending those in. We'll, I'll be recording again with Jeff here in a month or so. Keep sending in the ask the pipe maker questions. Keep sending in your ideas for uh, show stuff. And in just a moment, rant time. This is Phil Morgan, General Manager of Missouri Meerschaum Corncob Pipes in Washington, Missouri. Our mission since 1869 has been to produce great smoking pipes that anyone can afford. We guarantee our pipes won't be your most expensive, but they just might be the ones you smoke the most. At Missouri Meerschaum Company, we don't just sell our corncob pipes. We grow them, make them, and smoke them. Missouri Meerschaum, Washington, Missouri, since 1869. message is for you especially you younger gentlemen now if your significant other wife spouse is listening uh turn it off now because this message is for just for just for you and you really don't want them to hear this so all right here we go uh valentine's day <laughs> coming up around the corner valentine's day i put it right along with mother's day and grandparents day and uh and in fact international pipe smoking day just two weeks away or so these are all, in my opinion, manufactured holidays, manufactured events. All right. You got it. Halloween manufactured event. And uh, if let me just tell you this, younger guys, especially, you know, I've been at this for 30 years. Uh, I decided that early on I would try and buck the trend of Mother's Day, Valentine's Day, stuff like that and not make it a big deal. Well, here's the thing that you're that no one's ever going to tell you. All right. First of all, women are basically dumb, uh, and that's why I don't want them to hear this, because first of all, they marry us, and we're not real, you know, anyway, they do that, but these holidays, if they're important to them, you know what, don't be a, don't, don't do it, I did, don't buck the trend. You know, do something, do something a little bit special, plan a little bit ahead, do something a little bit special for Valentine's Day, for Mother's Day if she's a mother, you know, just do a little something special and it will go a long way down the road. And that's how simple it is. It's very simple because why? Because women, you know, they like this stuff. I don't know why. don't know why they also marry us. But uh, anyway, if you just do the just do a little thing and and look a little bit ahead, you know, a little card, a little something special, and it'll go a long way for you. Don't fight it. Don't buck the trend. If you're one of those guys that's lucky enough to have a, a spouse that does not care about um, you know Valentine's Day and Mother's Day, well, good for you. <laughs> uh, if you take care of her on Valentine's Day, maybe you know six days later she'll leave you alone on International Pipe Smoking Day. So. 
there's an upside to it. All right. Um, once again, uh, comments, questions, email me, Brian at pipesmagazine.com. If you're thinking about traveling anywhere, I'm happy to help you out, although I won't book anything for you, but I'm still available for all that. Keep sharing out the Pipes Magazine radio show to everybody. Thank you very much to JP for joining me. Thank you all for tuning in. And until bomba next time. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the Till we meet again. You're my ray of sunshine, Cupid me.